0: Hello, everybody. Welcome into this episode of In Session. Uh, I think it's number four of the session, as it goes, because it's called In Session. I'm here with Danielle E. Gaines. How are you, Danielle?
1: Hi, Colin. I'm good. How are you?
0: I am. I've got sunshine in my pocket. Uh, (laughs) Kelsey Luce also. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks. That's good. Now, this is a big week. Big old week this week because we had the state of the state. And Governor Larry Hogan uh, spoke, by the way, for those who may have not heard, last week's episode had uh, an extensive in depth interview with the governor via Danielle E. Gaines. So we'd like you to go back and listen to that, right? Right. So, Danielle, (coughs) how was the State of the Union address, the State of the State address, State of the State Union address (laughs) from Governor Larry Hogan?
1: Well, the state of the state address was on Wednesday, and it was substantially shorter than the State of the Union address. Which it was, was on, long, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was on Tuesday night, so um, that was like more than an hour and a half on Wednesday morning. Governor Larry Hogan followed up with a brief 23-minute State of the State okay, address. Hey, there we go. And um, you know, the state. What, it, what would you guess the state of the state of Maryland is, Colin? It's
0: great. Isn't it? Yes.
1: Well, so usually it's, they say strong, strong. Okay. Um, so governor Hogan this year said the state of our state is stronger than it has been in decades. And we are forging an even stronger and brighter future for Maryland.
0: And Maryland is leading by action and by example. We cannot afford to turn back now.
1: Yes, that was the refrain. So the uh, topic of the address this year was leading by example. And um, on on numerous topics on education, transportation, uh, the economy, the environment, the governor would start by saying on this topic, um, Maryland is leading by action and by example, and we cannot afford to turn back now.
0: Did everybody seem happy with the with the speech?
1: Um, most people seemed happy with it. I would say um, the governor's address focused. Uh, not only on his own actions, but also on the actions of Democrats, so um, that was the main criticism that I heard was that, um, yeah, you know, the state of uh, the uh, environment in Maryland is very strong, and Democrats would say it was because of them and not because of Larry Hogan. Uh it was an interesting state of the state. It was his final one of his first That's term in right. office, and yes. there were lots of uh, Democratic gubernatorial candidates in the room hey, <laughs> um, as elected officials, and even more willing to give their opinion outside. So um, it was it was an interesting address. The Democratic, the official Democratic response, which came afterwards, was very interesting, of course, because it's. Um, recorded before they can hear the actual address itself Mm -hmm. and um, the official democratic response focused almost entirely on Congress and um, Republicans in Congress and how those pieces of legislation being passed in D.C. are affecting Maryland.
0: I was going to ask you about that. I wasn't so on a state level too. The, the opposite party does get a chance to have a response.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, there's like these TVs outside the outside the House chamber where the State of the State is given, and on the TVs the Democratic response starts right afterwards.
0: Uh, was there a lot of clapping?
1: There was a lot of clapping. Yeah, I mean your typical State of the Union stuff so happens at the okay. State of the State. It's yeah, still,
0: but on a smaller level. On a smaller level,
1: I would say 23 minutes is pretty short. Oh um, yeah. you, Usually it's a little longer than that, um, and I didn't like you know time how how long was for clapping and stuff like that. Yes, that,
0: <laughs> that would have been a lot of fun. The president's uh, State of the Union went an hour 20, I think. Was yeah, that, I think it o'clock? was even a little longer a little than longer that.
1: Than yeah. That. I Ooh. thought he was going to try to break Bill Clinton's record, but maybe nobody can talk that slow.
0: Oh, <laughs> I did not have. Oh, no. See, that was good. That was good. That was good. That was my good impression of the week. Now, Kelsey, I want to <laughs> yes. talk to you a little bit about uh, local lawmaker's response to this. And from what I understand, uh, the, reaction, the reactions were mixed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were pretty much split down party lines. The Republicans loved what he had to say. Uh, they, they liked his emphasis on bipartisanship. In fact, Delegate Kathy Afzali, I asked her, is there anything else she would have liked to hear differently? And she uh, she said, basically, it's hard for me to criticize the governor because I think he's amazing. So <laughs> she was really excited about it. Uh, however, Democrats like um, Senator Ron Young he kind of took the bipartisanship talk as uh, his his word was disingenuous because he kind of feels like the governor hasn't been working across the aisle as much as he's been talking about working across the aisle. But uh, there were definitely some points where everybody from our, our Frederick County delegation was on board, uh, particularly regarding the opioid crisis. One of the things that Hogan highlighted was that the state spent about a half a billion dollars towards opioid treatment and uh, law enforcement. And so everyone was pretty much on board with that.
0: So, Danielle, for you, I mean, the Democrats locally felt uh, the governor was disingenuous. Was that sort of...
1: Yeah, that's what the um, other Democratic leaders that I spoke to afterwards said as well. Um, You know, for instance, the governor would say, you know, we can't we can't turn back now, so we need to pass this piece of legislation. And it was always, like, his piece mm-hmm. of legislation. So they were saying his calls for bipartisanship are to pass his things. And, you know, his things are not going to pass in Annapolis unless Democrats vote for them.
0: Um, yeah. And, and, Kelsey, I, I see uh, Senator Young said, I was unimpressed. I think it was more of a campaign speech than a state of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you – was that – was that kind of more of the same from Senator Young?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, he, he just kind of, uh, I guess, brushed the thing off. I could say you could say brushed off that that talk of bipartisanship just because he wasn't really buying it from his perspective.
0: So a divided state indeed.
1: I think there also was no new um, policy introduced. So he talked about policies that he'd like to see um, take take. Pl- take place. But there are things that he had already unveiled in press conferences or, you know, mm-hmm. something else earlier this year. So,
0: well, OK, so uh, we'll move off of that here, however, briefly, and then talk about confirmation. Cause yes. Danielle, because I, I, this uh, this this is an interesting story, too, that I, I think we talked about a little bit last year. This this deals with a couple of things. You wrote about this a few times this week?
1: Yeah. So recess appointments. I think this is one area where Democrats would tell you um, they feel the governor governor is acting in in a highly partisan way. So um, last year we talked about the two cabinet secretaries, Planning Secretary Wendy Peters Mm -hmm. and Health Secretary Dennis Schrader, both of whom did not receive votes from the Senate. And um, Secretary Peters was actually pretty much scheduled to be voted down by the Senate, um, not confirmed. And the governor instead withdrew her nomination. And what we've found in the months since is that a withdrawn nomination can be reappointed as a recess appointment after the General Assembly session ends. So you can end up having somebody serving in a seat kind of over and over again, potentially, Mm -hmm. um, was the argument in court um, as a recess appointment without ever being confirmed by the governor. And so we have that coming up again this year.
0: Yeah. So this is this is kind of interesting. Uh, I'm reading from the beginning of your story. The state board tasked with reviewing handgun permit appeals has become the next battleground. Um, in a fight over the governor's authority to name recess appointments. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what happened this week?
1: Yeah, so what we had what we had come to light this week, um, and I'd been working on this for a couple of weeks already, but things kind of came to a head, is that there were three members of the state's um, handgun permit review board who were up for nomination last session. And the Senate Executive Nominations Committee decided to take no action on their appointments because... They didn't want to, they they weren't really feeling what they were hearing from the um, nominees. And um, Governor Hogan appointed them as recess appointments, as might be expected, but then on the very first day of session sent a letter saying, like, I withdraw these nominees. Mm -hmm. When you withdraw an appointment, they're allowed to serve until the end of the General Assembly session or until somebody else is picked. Mm And then once the General Assembly session ends, you would make a new appointment. And so the question is whether or not he's going to reappoint these same people Mm -hmm. who did not sit well with the Senate Executive Nominations Committee again as soon as this session is over. So that's
0: interesting. That's kind of a, a, a creative way to deal with this uh, with this stuff. What was some reaction in Annapolis?
1: Well, so uh, you know, on this issue, you've already got you've also got guns in the mix, mm-hmm. and you know, Maryland has some of the toughest gun control laws in the entire country. Democratic lawmakers who helped get those laws put through and who saw their defense in court mm-hmm. um, care very deeply about them, and so um, one of the criticisms of the handgun permit review board is that they are able to overturn. To decisions by the Maryland State Police. If the Maryland State Police deny you a concealed carry permit, Mm -hmm. you appeal to this board. and the idea is that a Republican governor would put more gun-friendly individuals onto the board, and Democratic lawmakers would not like to see that. Um,
0: so the Democrats were pretty mad.
1: Yes. So there's differing opinions on, on, on the overturn rate between the board now under Governor Larry Hogan's administration and before. Um, I have, like, two totally different accountings of, of how, many, how much – They're overturning appeals, Mm -hmm. um, so we don't need to get into that. But um, there is a bill now from Democrats that would actually repeal this board altogether, take the politics out of it entirely, Mm -hmm. and move um, appeals to the Office of Administrative Hearings where it would be heard by a judge. So
0: we'll have to keep an eye on that.
1: Yes, and and that was named um, a priority by uh, the House Speaker this week.
0: Priority. A very high priority, I would assume. Priorities, man. We all have priorities. Our producer's giving me a look like I need to stop. But priorities are priorities. Kelsey, um, Michael Huff was, uh, you were at a hearing uh, on a parole bill from Senator Michael Huff. Um, What would change, or what would the bill change in terms of parole? What did you learn this week from uh, being, sitting uh, at the hearing? I can't talk. (laughs)
2: you're right um yeah so this one kind of has an interesting background because uh huff was telling me that the impetus for this was actually a story that we wrote in the frederick news post back when i was covering courts um so what happened was there was a stabbing us out of old town tavern and prosecutors in uh one of the accused sisters cases agreed to take a second degree murder plea because it turned out that she could actually face a longer minimum sentence than if she had uh, pleaded guilty to first-degree murder. So the issue that it seeks to address is um, the law was recently changed on second-degree murder so that the maximum penalty is 40 years for that. So you could see a parole, the parole board after serving half of it. So that's 20 years. Now, if you get life on a first-degree charge, you can see the parole board as soon as 15 years. And with, uh, with credits for time served and good behavior and those things, it can actually be as early as 11 years. So that's kind of the issue is, is the minimum punishment for first degree could potentially be less than second degree. So the, um, the bill would seek to make the, uh, the time before someone could see a parole board on a life sentence increase that to 25 years.
0: Um, from what I understand, a state's attorney, Charlie Smith, had some words about this. And what was that? What did he have to say?
2: Yeah, he was down there testifying in favor of the bill. And um, he he's behind it. And he said it's very difficult for him to explain to families that have had a loved one who has been, you know, tragically murdered, explaining to them that a life sentence really means that that family is going to have to go testify before a parole board and about. 11 years or so. So he he was um, all in on on this one, so we'll see where that bill goes.
0: And now how does this compare with what the governor is trying to do on parole as a whole?
2: Yeah, so the governor has a big package on um, criminal justice reforms, and one of those addresses this very same issue. So that would increase the the time that someone must serve on a life sentence before a parole hearing to uh, 25 years.
0: And speaking of the governor, though, Danielle, I wanted to get to this. This is a fairly recent development. Mm -hmm. Um, Governor Hogan is going to undergo outpatient surgery to remove uh, common skin cancer. Uh, What have you learned about this? What's the latest?
1: Yeah, so the governor's office called a press conference on yesterday. And um, we didn't know what the topic was ahead of time, but the governor came out of his office and, you know, He had his his shirt unbuttoned and no tie and he was very casual, very jovial, Um, but the topic was actually really serious and it it was that he is going to undergo an outpatient surgery called a Mohs surgery um, this weekend on Saturday and um, the purpose is to remove um, some superficial basal cell and squamous cell carcinomas. Um, and he just wanted to be upfront with it. He, 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 I think he purposely set a very different tone because obviously we had a press conference early in the governor's tenure where he did have to come out and say he had very serious, life-threatening um, cancer, and I think he really wanted to make clear that this was not that.
0: Yeah, this is he's, he, everything I've read. At least he said nothing to worry about. Everything's going to be fine. This is much different from from it was the way it was before, correct? Yeah,
1: he, he seemed very confident. He said he undergoes regular health screenings um, related to that previous bout with cancer, cancer, which was late stage 3 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, and he remains in remission from that disease. He he feels good. Um, this is the result of him being a lifeguard in his younger years, which he said was the best job he had before governor. <laughs> Um, down in Daytona Beach at the Hilton.
0: Wow. Um,
1: One of the members of the press corps asked him if he ever saved a life. And he said, um, they asked, have you ever saved a life? And if you did, were they Democrat? Oh,
0: that's funny.
1: (laughs) Um, That's funny. He said he would not...
0: He said he would not save a Democrat's life. No,
1: Is that what no, it? oh my God! I'm kidding. No, he said he would not characterize anything that he did as saving a life, saving life. but that you okay. know he helped people out, and that yeah. uh, he he would not mind saving your life no matter who you are. <laughs>
0: Well, that's scary, though. Two cancer scares in, what, four years, three yeah, years? Yeah, it, it
1: seems like for for this case, um, you know, his, his dermatologist issued a statement to the press corps saying, like, this is very highly treatable. Usually, you know, there's no complications whatsoever from this. He's going to have some Band-Aids. He said it'll look like he got in a fight with the Senate president. <laughs> um, he made a joke about scars being cool. And, you know, it is sad that he's going to mess with his beautiful face. <laughs> wow, it's barrel it laughs. I mean, it that's was- Wow. Very casual. Um, But he is using it as an example more than anything to warn people about using sunscreen. And so,
0: Didn't we have something on sunscreen not too long ago? (laughs) I think we did. So there
1: was actually a special bipartisan shout out during that press conference to Senator Young. Um, Senator Young and Delegate Karen Lewis-Young have a bill that would allow kids to put on sunscreen at school without a doctor's note. And he said he's going to make sure that gets passed.
0: There we go. Always wear your sunscreen. We can all agree on that. Cheers to sunscreen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kelsey. The, the, I'm kind of interested in some updates from the delegation. Uh, the delegation got on board with the Monocacy River Board Bill, in the, and Carroll County has a similar one in the works uh, that Michael Huff is sponsoring. Uh, so can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about what happened this week?
2: Yeah, so just this morning the delegation met and all agreed to uh, to submit as a delegation bill Kathy F. Solle's proposal to basically clarify who can be appointed to the Monocacy Scenic River uh, Board. So this comes about because uh, there was some controversy when the River Management Plan came out that um, the people that came up with it weren't uh, landowners with land adjacent to the river. So what this would do is basically specify that there need to be two people appointed to the board that own land adjacent to the river. Um, and also two, two non-voting uh, representatives of the local government, two people that don't have land near the river, and also uh, someone who's an expert in agriculture. So that kind of just clears some things up.
0: Our mayor was there, our, our newly appointed mayor, is that correct?
2: Yes, he was. Uh, Michael O'Connor was there to speak about some of the Maryland Municipal League's priorities for this uh, for this legislative session. And the the top one is uh, highway user revenue, bringing that back. um, So I have some numbers here, I'll I'll just uh, read out to you. So the General Assembly cut municipality shares of highway user revenue 90% in 2009 to help balance the state budget. So it had been at 13.8 million in 2007, and that um, was increased to, to $2.2 million in the governor's proposed budget. So that's kind of the issue that they're trying to address. They'd like to see that user revenue fully um, back to its full amount.
0: OK. Uh, I want to move on to a story that actually either one of you, neither one of you, wrote this week. Um, <laughs> This, this comes from Alan Etzler, superstar reporter here at the Frederick News Post. Mm-hmm. I know he's a subscriber, right? We all subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> um, the headline is Dissection Practices in Frederick County Question After PETA Video Surfaces. Danielle, if you could tell us a little about this, because we talked about dissection before.
1: Yeah, so this comes up at a time where there is an inter- interesting intersection with the General Assembly. But um, it all stems from a school board meeting that Alan covered when some people who are members of PETA came to testify um, about their concerns about a company named BioCorp, which is based in Minnesota and provides um, specimens, I guess. <laughs> for Like frogs? Uh, you know people are dissecting like big animal hearts and stuff like like pig hearts or like cats Oh. (laughs) oh no cats um So they they provide specimens for, um, you know, kids to learn, and uh, so Alan took a little bit of a look at um, what's going on in dissection within the county schools, because what the complaint about this company is that um, the PETA video showed, you know, pigeons being drowned or um, crayfish injected with latex, turtles being frozen alive. Um, And just all sorts of um, things that people found disturbing. So um, he looked at the county's policies on dissection, and it all ties into a bill from Senator Ron Young, which would allow kids to opt out of dissection in their classes.
0: Did you ever have to dissect anything, Danielle?
1: I I think I did a frog.
0: You did a frog. Kelsey, did you have to dissect anything?
2: Yeah, I dissected a pigeon with one of my <gasps> best friends from high school, and we couldn't break its, its breastbone. <laughs> so oh we my did goodness. Not successfully. Yeah, this, had, this pigeon had the strongest breastbone. It must have drank all the milk because we could not get that thing open. We did not successfully complete the dissection. Oh, <gasps> Luckily, man. we weren't graded on it, but we would have gotten F.
0: Oh, I thought you were just doing that for fun. I didn't know you were getting graded on it.
1: <laughs> oh, God, oh, no. <laughs>
0: I never had to dissect anything.
1: Yeah, so, I did. Yeah. I. Mm.
0: I uh, oh, boy. Okay. Well. In, in Frederick so County
1: schools, by the way, if you wanted to know, um, in Frederick County schools, in upper-level science classes, um, some kids are dissecting uh, sharks, frogs, mollusks, and fetal pigs. How do you dissect a shark? That the, Under the instruction of your teacher? I don't
0: know. <laughs> 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 okay. Wow
1: very carefully. carefully.
0: Like a baby a shark. Oh, a baby shark, not a full great white Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Uh now it's time for the best thing in the newspaper. Every single week we have our jingly music. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Political Notes. I got something to say. Okay. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Kelsey, from what I understand. <laughs> The entire city of Frederick was in Annapolis this week. What was going on? We were represented well, were we not?
2: Yeah, I don't know about the entire city, but I did see a lot of Mayor Michael O'Connor here, so that was nice. He was uh he was down here in Frederick in, in Annapolis, excuse me, talking about projects that Frederick has in the works that they would like state support on. So uh here at the state house, they had a, uh, I guess you could call it an open house where there was soups and sandwiches and legislators could come and take a look at uh, presentations of some of those projects. So they, talk, they, they had some information up about the downtown hotel and conference center, because that's something that they're uh, gonna try to put the money in, in the budget for again. Uh, they talked about various infrastructure improvements to East Frederick, improvements to Maryland 180, uh, Calder Lake Park improvements there, uh, improvements to Westside Regional Park. So uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of information available on those, so that the legislators can know what's going on.
0: And I also understand uh, Mayor O'Connor addressed the reform on tap bill. Correct, Kelsey?
2: Yeah, he did. So Peter Francho, Comptroller Peter Francho had a uh, I, I guess I'd call it a rally because it was really just a promotional event for his Reform on Tap package, and Michael O'Connor was there representing Frederick, uh, and uh, (laughs) Francho gave Attaboy Brewing a shout out as one of his uh, favorite small brewers. So, you know, the little bit of Frederick Frederick promotion there. But yeah, O'Connor was basically uh, expressing that he sees the value of these industries, Um, you know, they're small businesses that stimulate the local economies, what he was saying. So I did ask him, more specifically about the proposals and reform on tap. And he seemed to um, need a little more time to learn what the proposals themselves are. But he did tell me that generally he's just on board with promoting the industry and and making it easier for brewers to do business.
0: Uh, There's one other thing in political notes that I wanted to address. However, briefly Danielle and I watched about a half an hour ago, uh, representative John Delaney's, a presidential campaign ad on his YouTube channel. Danielle, when did you first come across this ad? Because this is going to be out Sunday, I believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, so there was a press conference earlier, this, or a press release earlier this week, uh, letting everyone know that John Delaney is going to air his first ad, his first television spot for the 2020 presidential campaign during the Super Bowl. And so he's hoping to make a super impression on the people of Iowa with, I don't get this, it. <laughs> with mm. this ad. Um, and it is part of it's a It's all month. about
0: a dirty word.
1: It's all about a dirty word, yeah. What, what's the dirty word, Colin? The
0: dirty word. Well, do we want to spoil it for people who haven't seen?
1: <laughs> okay, Bye. we won't say it. Okay.
0: Well, I just said <laughs> half of it. So, that's, uh, yeah. But So, it's all about this, and this is going to debut it, only in Iowa?
1: It's in Iowa. It's directed okay. to Iowa voters, and um, it'll air all month there. But it's wow. – um, I was reading, I think, in um, – the Cedar Rapids paper, one of the local papers, that this is kind of unprecedentedly early for a presidential uh, ad.
0: Well, it's better early than never, right? That's (laughs) That's the cliche. Uh, I'm going to be looking forward to that. What are you guys looking forward to? Kelsey, we'll start with you uh, Mm -hmm. next week. What do we have coming up in Annapolis? Anything you are looking forward to?
2: Well, the biggest thing is going to be next Thursday, Thursday. the house ways and means committee is going to take another look at ben's role which is a proposal from delegate vault vote excuse me my mouth doesn't work um that would basically allow some students with developmental disabilities to opt out of standardized testing so that's going to be an interesting one it came up last year and he's trying again to to get
1: that through the legislature. so legislature
0: okay danielle anything you have your eye on
1: I'm going to be, I'm going to write a little bit about Congress and a little bit more about state campaign finance in the next couple of weeks, just looking at people's campaign finance reports.
0: You really love your finance.
1: I really love numbers, yeah.
0: Wow. You should have been a numerologist.
1: No. (laughs) Uh,
0: Kelsey, did you have anything good to eat in Annapolis this week?
1: Uh, Yes, she did. I had a we went to the canteen
2: oh yeah 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 I tried the um the senate canteen for the first time I got a pretty decent veggie wrap and uh, oh, <laughs> also it, this morning I got a pretty decent blueberry bagel
1: so things are looking up
0: that's great that's great Danielle
1: <laughs> yeah I'd taken Kelsey to the canteen it was great what did you have it was great fun um I can't remember <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's uh, good that's good to know yeah. uh OK, well, that's uh, that, that we run out of things to talk about because Danielle can't even remember what she had to eat this week. Uh, Kelsey, what did you ha- have what, what did, did you I have, have?
2: Colin, that you like? Yeah,
0: um, I just had one chicken tender this afternoon and it was somebody's a single, chicken tender. A, single a single chicken <laughs> tender. And it but it was pretty good. It was pretty good and a whole lot of granola bars. So um, Kelsey, how can people follow you on Twitter?
2: Uh, I am at Kelsey Luce, which is K E L S I L O O S. Just all all one word, all no. All one word. Dots or anything.
0: Okay, Danielle, how can people follow you?
1: I'm Danielle E Gaines. That's right.
0: <laughs> what does the E stand for? Have we ever talked about that on air? No. Okay. It stands
1: for Elizabeth.
0: Elizabeth. Okay, yes. Danielle, Elizabeth Gaines. Kelsey Luce, thank you two so much. I know you're very busy. Thank you for taking the time to talk to little old me, and we'll see you next week.
2: Yeah, it was a pleasure.